Today is July 25th, and the world is talking about marriage inequality. Explore why every government on earth does this. You're listening to What in the World? A look at current events through the lens of biblical truth with Amy Travis. Please check out Amy's latest book, The Truth About Love, How to Graciously Push Back Against a Godless Culture, available on Amazon. In an early experiment with socialism in America in 1826, Robert Owen, originally from England, purchased property in Harmony, Indiana, and set up a colony that he said would produce morally superior human beings. Owen called the settlement New Harmony. Owen proclaimed that the liberation of humankind would happen by eliminating the quote-unquote trinity of evils responsible for all of humanity's misery, traditional religion, conventional marriage, and private property. Owen's prescription for paradise, including abolishing the church, disrupting the family structure, and eliminating capitalism. His social experiment in America was a spectacular failure, and he moved back to England. And then, in 1848, Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels declared that for communism to take hold, the nuclear family needed to be abolished. These men believed that the family, in conjunction with capitalism, alienated workers and made women little more than instruments of production for the men who lorded over them. In contrast, the author of Mankind created us male and female, designed marriage between one man and one woman, and conceived sex to be shared within that mutually exclusive one man, one woman relationship for a lifetime. The purpose of marriage is to produce godly offspring, according to Malachi 2.15. Historically speaking, any attempt to usurp the natural order of marriage and family leaves its members vulnerable and results in chaos. So why does every government on the planet try to disrupt the family? China, for example, instituted its one-child policy in 1979 designed to systematically decrease the growing population of the Han people in China. This policy imposed harsh consequences for families with multiple children, thereby encouraging parents to give up and even kill their daughters in order to have a son to carry on their family name. Families who defied the policy were punished with financial sanctions or worse. Many women were forced to have IUD insertions, abortions, and even sterilizations. This policy, as you may imagine, has had devastating consequences to the family structure in China. Families are now experiencing the 4-2-1 problem. Four grandparents and two parents now look to a single child for their care and financial support. Also, hundreds of single men are of marriageable age are competing for one woman. Family life as we know it will be extinct in China within a matter of generations. And China isn't the only country to experiment with the family structure. In the last 10 years, Cuba has become a haven for the LGBT community. This may seem like a victory for human rights, but it's not. Raul Castro supports homosexuality as a means of population control. Fewer babies being born will eventually lower the population on the island. In addition, encouraging the breakdown of the traditional family will isolate more individuals, 
thus strengthening the regime's hold on its citizens. Mark Levin, an anchor for Fox News, provides some insight into why totalitarian regimes despise the family. Marxism's intent is to destroy the nuclear family because in order to indoctrinate your children as actors for the state, you have to destroy the family. The greatest obstacle in advancing this so-called nirvana or paradise or utopia is the family and faith. But how about our own government? What has it done, if anything, to disrupt the natural order? And the answer is tons. As the Great Depression was ending, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt enacted his Social Security Act in 1935. This initiated our current welfare system by providing federal aid to the elderly, physically handicapped, and dependent mothers and children. In 1964, Democratic President Lyndon Baines Johnson expanded this legislation by passing a series of bills as part of his quote-unquote Great Society initiative. This initiative, also known as the War on Poverty, included a number of components. The Economic Opportunity Act aimed to eliminate the paradox of poverty in the midst of plenty. The Food Stamp Act sought to use the food abundance in America to improve levels of nutrition among underserved populations. The Elementary and Secondary Education Act aimed to level the alleged achievement gap in public education. The Social Security Act of 1965 created Medicare and Medicaid. Mm. Did these programs achieve their objectives? Of course they did but just not the ones they claimed they would. President Ronald Reagan openly condemned the welfare system in a speech in Santa Barbara in February of 1986, denouncing it as misguided. He noted that under the current law, the federal government sets up a pregnant teen with an apartment, medical care, clothing, and food, as long as she doesn't marry or associate with the father of her child. We are in danger of creating a permanent culture of poverty as inescapable as any chain or bond, a second and separate America, an America of lost dreams and stunted lives. The irony is that this misguided welfare program, instituted in the name of compassion, has actually helped turn a shrinking problem into a national tragedy. And as Reagan predicted, this legislation has attributed to the alarming phenomenon of child mothers and absentee fathers, particularly among the poor. According to the National Vital Statistic Report published by the CDC National Center for Health Statistics, out-of-wedlock birth rates have skyrocketed since 1965. At that time, the out-of-wedlock birth rate was 25% among Blacks. This rate rose to 68% in 1991 and then escalated to 77% of Black babies being born to unmarried mothers by 2015. Did you catch that? In 1965, three in every four black families had a father in the home. After our government's intervention in the name of, quote-unquote, helping the poor, only one in four black families have a dad in the home 50 years later. Removing the father from the home or systematically eliminating the need for a biological father, as often happens with gay couples raising, raising children, carries dire consequences for the kids. Consider the following statistics of the fatherless children as reported by the U.S. Department of Justice. Four-time greater risk of poverty. 
two-time greater risk of infant mortality, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to go to prison, more likely to be abused or neglected, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. In contrast, children living with their biological father are more likely to get A's in school, enjoy school, and enroll in extracurricular activities. As teenagers, these children are less likely to abuse drugs, drop out of school, and have children outside of marriage. So as we wrap up, beware of social programs aimed at helping the poorest and most needy in society. They are, in actuality, a wolf in sheep's clothing specifically engineered to exploit the very people they are claiming to help. A wise man once said, Family is the original Department of Health, Welfare, and Education. God designed the family to protect and strengthen its participants, to protect us. Health, wealth, and companionship are some of the greatest advantages the family has to offer. Everyone within the family unit benefits both physically and emotionally when the family remains intact. If our government, or any other one for that matter, truly wanted to help the poor, they would refuse to meddle with the natural family structure. Psalm 68, 5-6 Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember to always pursue the truth.